and uh, I've got to say it's I've got to say it's great to be here. I I when we were in the United we were in the United Kingdom. I'll, I'll talk about it a bit later on. But we were in the United Kingdom for uh, for uh, let me just check the time because I know I want to make sure that I keep fairly close to, to time. Uh, in the United Kingdom for thirty years, right? But but the depth of the team was low. You know, we had new Christians, we had young people, and we had uh, a lot of first-generation Christians, and, but we had no legends. You know, we, we, had, we had no Heathers in the church. And so I, I you know, and we're trying to build the church, and it, you know, it'll become greater as in, in 50 years' time. But, but I want to come back to, to here I just, I just see the glory of God here. I see people that, that have sown for, for decade after decade. And, this, and life isn't just sowing. The only reason why you sow is to reap. And I just, I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm you know, more a part of Manchester United being here because there's depth of team, depth of field in this place. And, and I'm incredibly honored to be here. And if my wife was here, uh, she'd be loving every one of you, you know, because she'd be, she'd be uh, feeling the strength that's in the room. Uh, you know, I think, I think someone maybe from this room asked me, what, what's God going to do? And I think you're the key to what God's going to do. You know, sometimes we dismiss ourselves and think, well, we're kind of fairly average people. God's never used non-average people in his life. He's always used ordinary people for extraordinary purposes so if you do feel ordinary oh welcome this is this is who God's always used and the one key verse in James is that Elijah was a man just like you and me and it shouldn't be there because because he's not you know he's a mighty man of God you know but but there are no mighty men of God in the Bible it's just men of a mighty God and 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 somehow in our celebrity age we've twisted it around and 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 we've got great man of God instead of men of a great God women of a great God and and, and, it's, and this celebrity culture has made us feel a little inadequate, you know. But I realize that inadequacy and inexperience are, are part of the credentials of people used mightily by God. You, people always have fault lines. There's got to be a character impediment in you for you to be used by God. And yet we're spending all of our time trying to eradicate character impediment and also, also thinking when we do heal ourselves of character impediments, then God could possibly use us. And yet that's not the story of the Bible. You know, he uses broken vessels so that God gets all the glory. And I think that we need to see ourselves as candidates for an incredible move of the Spirit of God. And instead of thinking it's, it's going to come from Sydney, to, to think that it comes out of Nazareth's. It comes out of places that are least expectant. It comes out of very ordinary places. And if you do feel ordinary, you do live in an ordinary place with, with no famous gurus coming from that place you're a candidate for for revival to start for a move of God to start if you feel like you're too old you're a candidate if you feel like you're too young you're a candidate if you feel like you're not intelligent enough you're a candidate I just I just think that you're the key you know and I think that 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 if you could realize that and that it'll just put a confidence in you to to know that the future doesn't happen revival won't happen despite of you and revival won't happen around you. And you'll never wake up to revival. It'll be on the hills of Wyala. It'll come through you. And in a church, it won't just come through the, through the grassroots of the church. It'll come through you in the leadership of the church.
And I think sometimes we live in an age where we, where we uh, idolize um, other great people of God like Stephen Furtick. And we move from ad- admiration to idolization. And it's completely wrong, you know. It's right, to, it's right to admire, but it's not right to idolize. And I think that some of our relationships are idolatrous relationships. And, and what they do is, is they demean you. If I, my, my expression that, that I, I use every now and again is when someone shows off on the stage of, of church life, so, someone dies in one of the back rows of church life through inferiority. And, and, it, and even though they shouldn't be carrying around such an inferiority complex, they do. And, it, and it's, it's for us not just to show lots of pictures of us with a microphone. And it's for us not to, not to make it all about us. Because when you go on Instagram, there's a lot of pictures of a lot of preachers with a microphone in hand. I think, oh, don't show off. Because every time you show off, somebody dies. You know, and that somebody dies was a candidate for revival. In their brokenness and in their back, that's where revival starts in the back row. You want to make the back row feel like a million dollars, you know. I, let me, I'm going to ramble, right, quite a bit, right, if that's okay by you. Uh, in, 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 um, in my ramblings, I will, I, will, I will start, I'll give you things that annoy me about the ministry, right? That's, that's my section that, that's included in this section. And then I'll do nine reasons why people leave your church. It'll be like scientific, psychological, you know, just so you, just so you get a grasp because we all think, oh, they're haters. When someone leaves, it, it's the worst experience in church life because you take it personally because we, 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 we do this with our personal, with all of our hearts, right? So you take it dead personally when someone leaves. But if I can give you nine reasons why people leave, then maybe you'll feel a little bit better about yourself. And, uh, and then I'm going to tell you about my, uh, my story, my recent story, two and a half years ago in, in England, my story of the perfect storm and seven waves that made the perfect storm uh, for my wife and I and then four things that we learned from it. So, so in that way, uh, you know, it all sounds a little bit negative, right? But, but I'm a positive guy, so I'll spin it, right? <laughs> but uh, let me firstly say that, that in, this is a quote from Dr. Phil, right? So don't amen this, right? Because it's Dr. Phil. But Dr. Phil said, for every one word of, uh, of discouragement, we need 100 words of praise to offset it. So for every one word of negativity, you need 100 words of praise to offset it. Now, I've discovered that 100 words of praise don't actually offset it. So it sounds pretty good from Dr. Phil, but it's completely untrue. Because, because I've had, I can still remember words of criticism, like arrows deep into the heart. Today, I can remember them from school, from primary school. I can remember them from ministry life, right? They're, they're still in my heart, and some of them are still active today. You know, I've got to constantly put some, put some antiseptic on, on them quite regularly, right? And I'm thinking, well, Dr. Phil, you, you, you're wrong, but it sounds right. And I realize the reason why it's not true is because, because in church life, when someone's criticizing you, they've spent a couple of years working on it sharpening the arrow you know like if they hate you like resentment you know just revenge it just spends a lot of time sharpening and also it moves into the demonic a bit and actually attacks you in, in an area of incredibly sensitivity it just it divides between soul and spirit like the word of god does that an accurate word of criticism tends to do the same thing so it can maim us it can injure us right but and, and so they spend a lot of time on it but when a christian praises you the best they can come up with oh that's good <laughs> the best a Christian does is, is they come up to you and they say, oh, yeah, that was good. You know, if you preach your best sermon ever, yeah, that was good. And they call that encouragement, right? And the reason why a hundred, yeah, that's good, don't offset one word of septic discouragement is because 
because the discouragement was diligent, but the praise was lazy. And you've got to come in to diligent praise. You cannot say to a Christian, that was good. We've already got the devil against us. I mean, how many wrestles do you fight day and night with Satan to, to, to have a vacuum left by the Christians? Where, where everyone just says that's good, but that they don't even say it with great sincerity. So we live in an age of huge vacuum, and then with satanic activity that's, that's ta- ta- towering down on us. It's not good enough. Pastors ought to feel a lot better about themselves, and it's our job to create a culture of encouragement. And let me say this about prophecy. Prophecy is a room in the house called encouragement. You know, so don't even head directly for prophecy, right? You want to build the house, and the house is encouragement. And you want to be specific. And so what you want in the culture in your church is, is if somebody's uh, preached, if someone's preached a message, you want to say, hey, that's good. But listen, let me tell you why that was good. And then you want to describe part, part two, and the illustration they used was a magnificent illustration. You want to, you want to describe something about their style. Because our style is, 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 if you're not copying a Steve Furtick, your style is a part of you. Everything about you is a part of you. You know, that's why hairstyles are, uh, even though some of us can't help the hairstyles we've got, hairstyles are, are still a very personal issue. You know, God didn't have to give people hair, but he gave people hair. Because it's a very personal part of them. You know, if a woman loses her hair, it's, it's so personal. You know, if they're going for cancer treatment, it's so personal that, 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 it, it, that it, it, it denies them something of who they actually are. And so every strand, every hair strand of encouragement you can give, oh, it, just, it just makes you double down on how good you are. And every one of us are geniuses in the hand of God, but it takes somebody else to describe the genius. You know? that's, that's why you should never do your own personality test, right? Because you're going to get it wrong. Get someone else to do it for you, right? Because <laughs> they're going to see something in you. You know, most of us are too down, are down upon ourselves, and, and, and we need to be a lot more up upon ourselves. But, but beca- when we're on our own, it's very, oh, we're moving into a nightclub mode. When we're, when we're on our own, then, then it's very hard for us to sell, like David encouraged himself in the Lord. But that's a rare occasion. That should not be a doctrine. You should have people around you encouraging you. you know? So the idea, I think we live in a vacuum of laziness and a vacuum of self-interest and a vacuum of consumerism. And it's not good enough. And as pastors, you are there to change the culture of the church. And to change the culture of the church, you want to bring in the, the, a culture of encouragement and you want to say why, what was good about it. If someone's doing song leading, what was good? Someone made the coffee. Oh, great coffee today. No, no, what was good about the coffee? Was it the temperature? Was it the quality? What was good about that you know every person's a genius and it's for you to find the genius in every person you know um, I described this about Josh on Sunday and it's from a book the hit factory and uh, that that what Barnab the greatest person in the New Testament outside of Jesus was Barnabas right and what Barnabas did was was he's the one that 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 heard a divine tune in the heart of Paul You thought that Paul was the greatest. Well, it's not, because he was found by. And Barnabas wasn't his name. His, his name was Joseph, but his nickname was Son of Encouragement because he did it so often. He got a nickname over it. And so the, the greatest ministry 
in, in the New Testament outside of Jesus is the ministry of encouragement. It's the spirit of Barnabas that got the whole thing rolling for Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament. And so you want to get that spirit of encouragement, that spirit of Barnabas in you. And, and he was someone that firstly heard divine tunes. And when you meet someone, it's you, you're meant to get down a little bit and listen to the divine tune. Everyone who's saved or unsaved has a divine tune. Every person's made in the image of God. And that's why the old, the old story, you're loved by God, you're a sinner. You're a sinner comes in too quickly. Your love by God needs to take quite a considerable time, right? And in that everyone who works in your in your at the bank that you work needs to know what is the genius about their lives because you've told them they need a specific what because love's specific you can't just say to someone i love you you have to say something better than that and when it when it comes to when it comes to god you know there's 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 three levels of love there's the affirmation that comes from god there's 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 admiration and that's admiration for the things that you do and then there's adoration Oh gosh, adoration is where you just stare at someone that, that, you know, it's like a granddad to a grandson. You really don't care whether they got the latest medal. A dad does, but a granddad just, just, just adores. And I just think adoration is something that you need to move into in church life. You need to create an adoring culture. You know, adoring for who they are, admiring for what they do affirming for where they walked but it's 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 a depth right and i think that if you can come into that and and adore them and find out what 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 kind of special stone they are you know how what they add to the kingdom of god and so you know i've i've coined this but but what barnabas did he heard the divine tune in in saul's life right in in paul's life and then he spent his time taking out the discords of fear and doubt you know, say, hey, come with me. Let's go to Jerusalem. Let's, let's, you know, just helping him out, facing his fears. Because he was like, like in one way, on the side of murderer. And to take him out of the guilt and the condemnation, he needs somebody to help him out every step of the way, right? And then he added the baseline of the Holy Spirit into his life. And then, then he added the, 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 already had the melodies of heaven within him. He added the rhythm of grace to his life. Take him out from the, the striving Pharisee and moving him into the rhythmic Christian. And, and then adding the harmonies of, of the church. You know, that, that even, even Barnabas would be a G note to, to Paul's D note. But the two together just resonating together. And then he, put it, then he put Paul on the Spotify of human hearts all over the Middle East, and all over Europe, you know. And that's, 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 people need to be singing your song in the bathroom in the morning. They might, they might not buy your song, but they still need to be downloading your song. And your song is the words you speak to bring out the genius in the lives of people. The moment they know that they are uniquely crafted and it's a Christian who's telling them that, that's the beginning of the journey. It's not good enough to say God loves you. And we need to create that in church life because if you create in church life, then for a start, the equation happens that for every one word of demonic discouragement, it's offset by one word of creative Holy Spirit praise. You know, I, 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 I'm rambling, right? But I might as well just keep rambling. That the reason why people become scientists has nothing to do with scientific orientation. It's got to do with the teacher who taught science. 
The reason why someone does humanities has nothing to do with they're a good reader, has everything to do with the teacher who taught language and taught English at school. We're framed by our fans. And if you, if you, could, if you could realize that, that this is what steers the world. It's, it's teachers that you loved, teachers that adored you, steered the world, grandparents who adored you, even their prayers uh, you know, can bypass their parents' secularism and they can get saved, you know, because this is what's ruling the world is the spirit of praise and encouragement. You can get, if you, if you can get someone to wear the same dress or wear the same shirt five times in a month just by describing how good that shirt and how good that top is. It's amazing the power of encouragement has upon human psychology and has on the depth of our spirituality. Okay, so so this is this is the Bible says this right, and so this is um, this is preamble before I do five things that really annoys about me, annoy me about the ministry, right? But it says it says how beautiful are the feet of him or her slash her that brings good news, right? And I'm thinking, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> and then in in Isaiah, because that's in that's in Romans ten fifteen, right? But in Isaiah, I think fifty two, it says how beautiful on the mountains. Well, I don't care where you put those feet, right? <laughs> put them on a valley, put them on the mountains, right? They're still not beautiful, right? Because feet that have run a marathon, you know, feet, pre-Adidas, you know, they're, they're, they're blistered feet. They're bloated feet. They're bleeding feet. They're just not beautiful feet. And yet the Bible goes into it, right? And says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I, I just, sometimes you need to, to, to realize that, that your bleeding is beautiful. I, yeah, I have, I've shared truckloads of blood for the gospel. It wasn't for Dave Gilbert. So every drop collected like tears by the Lord Jesus Christ because this is beautiful to God. You know, people want me to have a balanced life. Oh, don't rob me. Don't rob me of future bloating. Don't rob me of, of, of future blistering because bl every blister is for the sake of Christ and every blister is beautiful for God. And I think sometimes we need to have an eternal perspective rather than just I need a break perspective, right? Because, because what you've been through to get here has been high mountains. You've walked on broken glass. You've swum the deepest oceans, right? And, uh, and there's something, there's, 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 there's scars, but every scar is a beautiful scar. No such thing as an ugly baby. You know, but babies look halfway between predator and alien. You know, when you see when you see somebody else's baby, they're not that attractive, right? <laughs> but there's no such thing as an ugly baby. And when when God when God sees how far you've come, it's beautiful to Him that, that you weathered the storm and to get to this place right now this morning. How many storms have you weathered, right? I think it's a beautiful thing, and I think we shouldn't under 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 underestimate it. We should underscore it. Just how incredible it is that, that you've walked this far and you've got this far. And you might think, well, I'm a mess. Well, yeah, but you're a beautiful mess. I think, well, well, I've got, you know, my feet are bleeding. Yeah, but it's beautiful blood. 
you know, should never, never, I'll, I'll say this about God, right? Oh, I'll say this, that, that you'll never be rewarded on earth for the best of what you've done. Because the best of what you've done was in private. Scaling that rocky outcrop is where nobody saw you do it. So they give you praise. Sometimes they give you praise, but they give you praise for what they saw you do. And your greatest works are always in isolation. And I'll say the reason why you haven't been praised for a lot of stuff that you should be praised for is because God's put it on reserve for when he praises you. He's going to spend a billion, I I suspect he'll spend 10 billion years praising lives that lasted for 70 years. Because he's got a lot of time on his hands. And I suspect that that praise you should have got, that you didn't get, it's because there's a reserve sign on it. God didn't let people see the sacrifices you made. He didn't let anyone peer around the corner. And so if people think, yeah, Dave's great, yeah, my second best works are great, but you ain't seen my best work. I, I'll just say this about sin as well. This works for sin as well. People think, oh, you're a rotten person. Well, I'm more rotten. Thank God that you don't see the more rottenness. You know? <laughs> but I'm covered in the grace of God, you know. But, but you know, there's, a, there's, there's stuff with a reserve sign on it that's for God, you know. While I'm saying that, just to do something connected but disconnected, uh, when you're raising up kids, right, there's, there's you, you, in your love for them, you reach above wire fence. There's a place that you cannot tread because it's reserved for God, bringing about salvation and redemption to their lives that are not mess, messed around by the hands of diligent parents. There's always, every kid has got a, a fracture of brokenness. And every parent's tears are, I can't solve it. But it's the will of God that you can't solve it because it's reserved for God to solve because that's when they get saved. That's, that's how they get saved. It's, it's when, when the extent of human love is, is fully extended but doesn't reach that place of brokenness or God prevents you from reaching that place of brokenness. But in every, it's, the, it's the greatest, I'd say, you know, people say he's happy as his saddest child. But when your saddest child is, is, coming to the, is coming to the brokenness within their lives, that's where God saves us. That's where God saved you. That's, that's the place of salvation is the place of brokenness. And um, I often say, and I said it on Sunday, that God builds his greatest towers on our greatest fault lines of weakness. He, never, he, he builds uh, three-story buildings on talent. He builds multi-skyscraper buildings on brokenness of the soul. And so we complain about it, but it is a glorious place for God once it's set apart uh, for God. When, when people with authenticity, when people uh, see, when people, when nowadays in the 21st century, people don't look to our words first. They don't look to our hands first, even, even to what we, what we do for them. You can, you can clean up a, a school playground, but they're not looking to your hands. They're looking to your feet because your feet tell the story. And your feet tell the story how far you've walked. Because their feet of authenticity, if, you, if, you're, if you're tiptoeing through the tulips or skipping across the field, oh, these are feet of a child. If you're too lightweight, oh, they're the feet of a teenager. But they're looking, they're looking for feet that, because your feet indicate the value of what you hold. And when it comes to the gospel, the value of it is indicated by how much you're prepared to go through and how much you're prepared to sacrifice. And so, so even in this room, you, you've upheld the word of God because you've been through crap. You've been through hell for the sake of the gospel. But those feet are your mark of authenticity. 
and we are more authentically Christian now than we've been in a long, long time, you know, because we, we, because we never gave up. And we, during COVID, you know, a quarter of the church gave up. A quarter of the church decided to compromise during COVID. And, and even though we'd still like to do it ourselves, right, we, we haven't done it, you know, and we've realized we, we're still in a bit of arid territory, but, but we're, not, we're not giving up. We're pacing ourselves a little bit better uh, than history, but we're not giving up. And, and, and authenticity precedes authority. And if you, if you ask me, what, what does the world need? Does it need more signs and wonders? Well, it does, but that's secondary. What, it actu- what the Christian world needs is more authority. It needs preachers and it needs ministers who minister with authority. The authority of God. Where does authority come from? It always comes from a crucifixion. It can't come from anywhere else. It's God's authority. It has to be the death of you and then alive to Christ. It's got to be I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so every time you're undergoing a death experience, that's a precursor too. So you've got to have persecution. We've all been through a serious time of persecution, right? Where, where you know, some best friends have left, you know, where this team that was t- a team for life broke apart, you know, where, where kids have been on a wobble, where, uh, you know, a lot of things have been affected in the last couple of years. And, uh, oh, my brain's gone. Why, why was I saying that? My brain sometimes pops out. What's that? Yeah, yeah. And so, so we've been through a season of persecution. Persecution, if done well, leads to crucifixion. If done badly, and it, some people do it badly, they drag their cross around the church every Sunday, right? Leaving skid marks everywhere, right? <laughs> if done well, the place to carry a cross is on your back, not your front. It's not to be dragged, right? And so when people meet me, they meet Resurrection Day. Well, where's Crucifixion Day? It's on my back, hiding it. Because <laughs> the Bible says pick up your cross daily. So, but, but what do you front with? You front with resurrection. You don't front with the misery of self-pity, right? But you're still carrying a cross. You're just not dragging the thing, right? You're carrying it upon your back. So, you know, it's the orientation. It's front face. Is, is resurrection, the, the process of creating resurrection life's on your back because, because the, the cross is a giant processor and it processes death into life, sin into righteousness, uh, breakage into redemption, you know, far away into restoration. It just, it, it's just a giant factory. You know, how do I know the future is just great? Because I'm carrying a giant factory. I'm, I'm, I'm carrying a, a giant converter on my back. It's not even just a recycler. It's just, it's converting hydrogen into oxygen. It's converting destruction into constant. It's, con- it's just a giant converter. That's why, th- that's why the future of the church is great, because I'm great. Because I haven't taken the cross off. I haven't decided to live in a place of comfort. It's the comfort of Christ, but not the comfort of this world. And so the precursor to revival is persecution. Persecution leads to full crucifixion, where it's no longer you that liveth, but it's Christ that lives in you, right? And death is a very difficult thing to do. If you're going to do it, do it fairly quickly, though. It's better to be shot than to drown, right? So, so do it fairly quickly, right? But, but the way to go is just to die. And then when you finally do die, then you stop telling the story. You've got to tell stories, right? Because you, you have to say what you've been through, right? But, but when that story gets a, a bit boring to you, like loses a little bit of its life to you, 
That's when you know you're fully dead. And then you've got to hang around on, the, on a blinking Saturday, right? Which is just a painful thing because your reputation's in tatters, your, your securities are in tatters, your friendships are in tatters, uh, everything that you held dear is in tatters, but you've got to hang around on a Saturday. It's, just, it's quite painful that, right? But Sundays are coming. And Sundays is the resurrected you. And it's resurrected you. That's why you don't, on a Sunday, you don't want to decrease so Christ might increase. Because decrease isn't in the Bible. Decease is, that's what you did on Friday. But on Sunday, you want to increase. That's why Sunday you need to step out of the arena of false humility. And say, I'm the woman of God. I'm the, I'm the man of faith and power for the hour, right? Because it's Resurrection Sunday. You're, already, you're a dead person walking. But when you do speak on a Sunday, you don't need to use a thousand words when 10 will do. You know, this is the authority of Christ. And from the authority of Christ comes the two strands of the moving of the Spirit of God. One signs and wonders, right? But if you heal a grumpy person in a wheelchair, they're still a grumpy person. Now they can walk around. But, but so, 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 so what, what happens through authority is, is more miracles happen, but also more transformation happens. And the trickier thing for God is human transformation. It's the, harder, the hardest thing in the world is to, is to change a heart it's a lot easier to, to, to change a limb. So when you're a Christian leader, you've got to realize this authority isn't just, hey, what we need is more signs and wonders. Yeah, we do. But we need to, we need to change um, angry Anderson into patient Pete. You know, that's going to take the power of God to do that. But, but the power of God is released through authority. And that's what God's doing amongst us all, right? God's setting up you for revival. Because you're different now to how you were a year ago. You, you, you aren't just authentic, but you've changed. And that change is that even the change in you is, is a precursor. This is what the Bible says in Romans 12, verse 2. It says, it says uh, don't conform to the thinking of this world, but be, trans- be transformed, which is metamorpho, which means from a, a, pa- a caterpillar to a butterfly, right? How? By a renewing of the way you think, right? So you can test and approve, test and approve God's good, perfect, God, good, pleasing, and perfect will, right? So how do you get to test and approve? How do you get to test drive the Maserati of God's will? transformation we underscore that personal transformation that happens through the cross leads to personal revival it doesn't stop there well i'm a much better christian this is a stitch up from the spirit of god because he has a great future for his church and he's fashioning you and changing you i'm going I'm to read you what i think is 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 a a great verse and it's from uh song of songs this this i love this right it, it might not mean a lot to you right does to me this is this is the let me think the uh this is the beloved to the lover right this is the guy to the girl he says how beautiful you are my darling oh how beautiful now let me stop there and just say that that um that Bono said, once said, Bono from U2 once said, that, that love sees beauty in everything. 
And it's really important in marriage, right, that, 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 that you do see the beauty. It's important with your church. It might, be, it might be a terrible church at the moment, but you do see the beauty. This is just, this is what, the, it just, it's eyes that see the diamond amongst the coral. It's, di- it's eyes that see the stars in the night sky. It's eyes that see the clay amongst the mud. That's, that's the eye. It's, it's, that's the eyes of love, and it's the eyes of faith. But I love, I love what he's, what, what, I love what he, what he says about her. He says, he says the eyes, I'll, I'll read it and then I'll, then I'll explain really quickly. Right? The eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats. Your teeth are like the flock of sheep to shorn. Each one has a twin. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth's lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like halves of pomegranates. Your neck is like the Tower of David. On it hang a thousand shields. Your breast, oh, we'll stop there. Starts getting naughty after that, right? But you know, it, when it comes to your transformation, right, the eyes, your eyes are becoming dove eyes. They're moving from being the, the eyes of a seagull, the eyes of a raven, to dove eyes. The eyes of resentment to the eyes of forgiveness. There's a change that's been going on. You know, we downplay it, think, oh, it's just us being a Christian again. No, 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 it's you being transformed. This is God putting new levels on the skyscrapers within the new part of your mind. This is, this is you being changed. Your, uh, the way you see people has changed from vindictiveness to sorrow. Vindictiveness to, to understanding. It says your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. Someone cut your hair during COVID. But the hair of Samson's grown back again. Oh man, you're different now than you were six months ago. You feel stronger now than you did six months ago. Don't think, oh, that's just that's just because the sun's shining and summer's come. Because summer still hasn't come to Port Lincoln, right? This is it's, it's, this is a move, this is a move of the Spirit of God. This is a precursor to revival. This is a precursor to resurrection life, to the authority of God. This is what God's doing on a Saturday. After crucifixion comes transformation, and then comes resurrection. Oh, man alive. Persecution, crucifixion, transformation, resurrection. And then it says, your teeth are like a flock of sheep, Sean, coming up from washing. Each one has its twin. Well, it, it, because you were missing something before. You were full of the right tooth of zeal, but you didn't have the left tooth of wisdom. Now God's given you twin truths that are working together. There's, there's the truth that battle belongs to the Lord, and, and there's the truth that battle belongs to me. There's the truth that get your sling out. There's the truth that you're already more than a conqueror. You've got twin truths, you know, and, and, and it depends which side of the mouth you bite on. But you've got a better bite now. Your cutting edge has come back again. You know, your teeth are your cutting edge. They've returned again. It, it's, it, says, it says your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth's lovely. Even the words that you speak, they're softer. It's, this is big time stuff. You know, you used to hate people, but now you just hate the devil. and You, you feel sorry for people. And you're speaking words of grace more than. 
This is a major thing. This is, this is major in God's economy. Personal transformation is major because only then can you test and approve the Maserati of God's will. You can't even get into the Maserati. You've got no keys to get into the Maserati if you're untransformed. But if you're transformed, you can test and approve. God's pleasing, God's perfect will. It says your temple behind your thoughts, even your thought life is changing. You know, the trains used to go toot toot, you know, to, to the city of self-pity, but somehow something's happened. Instead of that, they're going to the, to the city of joy, you know. You used to have a strong city of depression in you, but it's now a ghost town. You try and travel there, there's nothing there anymore, just, just some... Just some ibises picking from the bins. It's because it's you're catching the trains that lead to the city of peace. That's what's happening within your mind. Your neck is like the Tower of David built with the course of stone. On it hang a thousand shields, all of those shields are, wa- are warriors. That's your potential. There's potential in one respect for every church to be a thousand strong, but not a thousand pew warmers. We don't want a thousand pew warmers. I want a thousand warriors. I want shields of warriors in this place. You know, we, we've, we've done it. Big, there's been big churches in this country that are no longer big because, because they just had people warming the pews. You know, we, we're a fit army of God. We're not just a, a love boat for, of heaven. We're, we're an army, an army, an a, a, a aircraft carrier. We're an army ship. We're a warship for God. We, we still play shuttlecock on the, on the boat. We still have some fun on the boat, but the boat's green, not white. You know, <sighs> haven't even had time to get into the things that annoy me about the ministry. <laughs> yeah, next session. I, I've got to say this. I rarely talk like this, right? Because I had to make everything I say fairly junior. But because there's depth of team here, because there's depth of understanding, because. Because you, you, I feel like I'm on. I feel like I've got on board the the train that's that's happening deep within you. That to encourage you. You know, I shared on Sunday, and you can download the message at some stage or stream it. That that my greatest power is I'm the right person at the right place at the right time with the right disadvantages, with the right disabilities, with the right inadequacies. I'm just right all over, and I'm in the right place. Part of me is on a Sunday, part of me is on a Saturday, part of me is on a Friday. Part of me is on a Thursday, the Thursday of persecution. But we're rolling. It's completely the opposite of the way the world works. And it's wisdom from heaven, this. And this is the way God operates. But there's more authority in this room today than there was a year ago. Our churches might be less in numbers, but that's not the important issue right now. The important is how much authority is in the room because authority will determine tomorrow's manifestation. And authority in this room has increased beyond measure through the difficulties you've beheld. Father God, I pray, lift your hands to heaven. I pray that a deep spirit of Barnabas would touch every heart and every mind in this room right now. Father, go deeper, deeper, deeper. Father God, restore and heal 
and take out the discords of inferiority, the discords of rejection, the discords and the arrows of abandonment. And I pray that they would know by the end of the day they've been found by you, understood by you, found by you, on a collision course to be risen by you. Father, the world has tried to write us off, but you've written us in. All the days ordained for us are written in the book of life. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you.